Hey there, this is the MMA MMA show, Matt's Middle Age Mixed Martial Arts Show, episode number 15 on May 1st, 2019, Wednesday. Thank you for joining me. Let's get right into it here. Uh, if I see another Justin Timberlake, it's going to be May meme. Um, I'm actually not going to do anything. I was going to say I was going to be really upset, but that's an exaggeration too. More accurate is that I'm just tired of seeing them, and they ran their course several years ago. Another person who has run his course is Brock Lesnar. He has apparently decided that he has retired from MMA. Um, he hasn't fought in a while since uh, the Mark Hunt fight a couple summers ago, uh, which he won, but then uh, failed a PED test for, um, I think it was clomiphene, if memory serves me. Um, but he was planning on fighting UFC heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. Last summer, he got into the cage after uh, Cormier um, beat Stipe Miocic to win the title and shoved him across the cage, and it looked like they were building to that fight. Since then, Lesnar was reportedly in the UFC's drug testing pool, USADA's drug testing pool. Um, rumor was he had only been tested once or twice, which was... Uh, a very low number, but in WWE, he has been wrestling in the meantime. I, I felt like he looked smaller and older than he had in the past. Obviously, he's going to start looking older. He's 40 now, but um, in his face, he just looked old. Um, he was much smaller, wasn't as jacked as he was previously. So it seemed like he was... Um, looking to get back into the UFC just based on his body. It looked as though he had lost some weight, lost some muscle, and was relatively clean as far as uh, PEDs go. But it's come out that he has retired. Dana White um, spoke to him, and apparently White told ESPN, Brock Lesnar has told me he's done. He's retiring. Um Will it last? I don't know. Is it, could a money offer come where the matchup's right and UFC's desperate and they work out a deal again? Sure. <laughs> Brock will take a, you know, a $8 million payday, a $10 million payday uh, against the right guy at the right time. But I'm guessing WWE came back with a big money offer as well. They've got all that. Smackdown money from Fox, the Saudi Arabia shows, um, the raw deal on USA. They're more profitable than they've ever been just based on these TV rights deals. So I, I'm guessing Vince McMahon made a counter offer, Brock weighed his options and liked um, the WWE offer better. That's just a hunch. <laughs> um, Brock typically goes to the highest bidder. 
And at this point, he's 41, and the DC match I didn't think was going to be competitive. I, I think Cormier would destroy Lesnar in a MMA fight at this stage of the game. Cormier is the better wrestler, the better striker, has been much more active. Um, it, it wouldn't be a competitive fight. It would draw. People would want to see Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. It would make a lot of money for the UFC and ESPN, but... Uh, Brock says he's done and I mean we can only speculate why the the theory that he got a better offer from the UFC is the one that would make the most sense um, so where does this leave Cormier would be the next question Cormier um, is rumored to be fighting Stipe Miocic again come i want to say august maybe um august 17th in anaheim is, is the targeted date that's a fine fight um the idea of doing cormier versus jo john jones three you know doesn't do a lot for me just because jones has beat him twice and beat him very decisively in the second fight, finished Cormier. The Stipe match is interesting to a degree. Um, Stipe's always claimed it was kind of a lucky punch that Cormier landed on him. Um, would it go the same way again? I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, th there's more intrigue in the Stipe fight for me than another John Jones fight. So um, I, I just wish... Stipe had stayed a little more active and maybe got a win. He hasn't fought since the, the Cormier loss, so he's been on the shelf, you know, for, for quite a while now. So um, it's interesting. It, it, it's a good fight. I mean, Stipe's probably the, the best heavyweight in the division, so, so it makes sense. Um, at the same time, I don't know. I'd like to, I'd like to see DC maybe fight somebody different. Um, as far as heavyweights go, there's not there's not a lot of top guys out there. It's a thin division, um, which we've talked about numerous times in the past. So let's see what the UFC heavyweight rankings look like. Um, DC versus Ngannou. I mean, I think DC just takes him down and beats him up the way the same way Stipe did. Um, Junior Dos Santos is around. Um, Let's see, who do we got? So yeah, Stipe's, go Stipe, Ngannou, Curtis Blades, Junior Dos Santos, Alistar Overeem. I mean, Stipe's probably the best fighter out of those four or five guys. Um, so it's the best matchup. It just doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot for me. But um, that seems to be the direction they're going. Cormier is 40 now. He wanted to retire by his 40th birthday, which was in March. So he's going to hang on for at least one more fight, it sounds like. After that, if he beats Stipe, maybe he just retires, walks away. If there's not a big big money fight on the horizon, like his big payday was going to be that Brock fight. Um, he could run it back with John Jones again after this, but hey, it, it doesn't do a whole heck of a lot for me. Might be good for his wallet, and uh, a third Jones fight could draw well, but at the same time, it's like he's 0-2 against Jones, and I don't know what would have changed.
<laughs> maybe they get there could they could add some intrigue if they did it at heavyweight. Cormier maybe has more power at heavyweight. There would be more there would be a different twist, a different wrinkle in that Cormier Jones feud. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of a bummer for DC. Um but possibly a smart move by Lesnar because he probably would have got his ass handed to him by Cormier. Uh, the UFC announced a few days ago uh, on Sunday night that the promotion has agreed to a five-year partnership with the Department of Culture and Tourism Abu Dhabi ahead of the upcoming UFC 242 event that will take place on September 7th in the United Arab Emirates. Um, it looks like they're planning to maybe do Khabib versus Dustin Poirier as the headliner there on September 7th. Um, they don't have a venue yet, but, uh, this is interesting because Endeavor, the parent company of the UFC, um, recently cut ties with Saudi Arabia, um, based on the Khashoggi murder, um, but I want to say the United Arab Emirates aren't much better, but um, they've got some outdated practices there, <laughs> you know, regarding women and minorities or gay folks. Um, they don't have the best track record. They're still stoning people over there. Um, <laughs> so I don't even know if women could fight on these shows. Like when WWE goes to Saudi Arabia, women cannot wrestle on those shows in Saudi Arabia. Um, the government won't allow it. And I mean, I'm under the impression Abu Dhabi is a similar, similar situation, similar religious makeup, similar government. Um, it's not democratic. Um, and it, it just... There's two arguments here, I guess. One is that, you know, you, you got to be able to appreciate other cultures. Different parts of the world have developed differently. Um, you don't want to necessarily impose your own uh, personal beliefs and norms on, a, on another culture. Um, at the same time, it's like, I don't know, women can't vote. Uh, <laughs> They can't drive cars over there. Um, gay people are killed if you're found out if you're gay. Um, the UFC makes a lot of money. I, I don't need to. I, I don't know if they need to be going into business with these governments. I don't think they do. Um, I, I, I think it's a bad look. They can argue that you know maybe we're gonna bring more Western values to the Middle East like the WWE is doing. But it, to me, it just screams of a payday. Um, there's a lot, lots and lots of oil money over there. Um, so I'm sure they're getting paid to do run one show over there for once a year for five years. Um, but goddamn, you would think that ESPN money is enough to pay the bills. But uh, what do I know? Dana White said, we are making a long-term commitment to Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi because we have had great success in that market. 
The demand from our fans to bring UFC back to Abu Dhabi has been overwhelming. And over the next five years, DCT, which is the Department of Culture and Tourism, DCT Abu Dhabi will help us deliver some spectacular UFC championship fights to the UAE. I'm very excited about this partnership and what it will mean for the growth of this sport and for the UFC in the region. Yeah, I mean, from a a business perspective, if all you care about is the bottom line, yeah, it makes sense in, in their business. And there's the, you know, the capitalist business side of me that says, yeah, you're going to make a lot of money. At the same time, I, I, I think you already are making a lot of money, more money than um, 99.9% of the businesses in the world. Do you need to go over there and get paid by their government? A government that is in sharp contrast to, you know, uh, uh, the American political values, um, you know, equal rights, crazy stuff like that. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, um, USADA says Tom Lawler, uh, former UFC fighter, might have been eligible for a lower sanction had his Austrian case come now. So last week, I think we were talking um, about the four fighters who were suspended for six months because they had Austrian and Tatum supplements. Basically, Tom Lawler um, tested positive for Austrian, and he couldn't place a supplement or what he might have ingested that would have put Austrian in his system. So Lawler on Twitter wrote, Hello, USADA, can you please explain the difference between the four recent cases of UFC fighters being given six months for Osterine while I was sanctioned for two years? I'd like to believe in fairness by your organization, but I would like some clarity, please. Um, It should be known that Lawler was unable to prove through testing that one of the supplements he was taking was contaminated with Osterine. Um, That's why he got the two-year suspension. Um, However, none of the four aforementioned fighters um, who we talked about last week, uh, Sean O'Malley, Nico Montano, Augusto Mendez, and Marvin Vittori, um, were able to prove that they had tainted supplements either. Yet USADA reduced their suspensions anyway, citing an evolution in the science. In a statement sent to MMA Fighting on Thursday, USADA Communications Director Adam Woolard wrote that lab testing is more sensitive and able to detect far smaller quantities and new metabolites of PEDs than even just a few years ago, which can lead to more intentional cheats being caught, but also some inadvertent positives like via supplement contamination. Woolard wrote that if Lawler's Austrian case happened in 2019, it's possible he would have been eligible for a shorter suspension length and would have the ability to challenge to an independent arbitrator to determine the final consequence, but his two-year suspension was a standard sanction at the time. That is tough. I think Lawler's like 36 now, so he missed, you know, the tail end of his prime. He was suspended for two years, like 33, 34, 30. Five, you know, now he's older and 
I mean, honestly, Waller was a, a mid-level guy. He wasn't a top fighter. But to lose, you know, the, the last couple years of your prime for... Here's the thing. I, I don't know that Tom Waller is clean. I, I've never met the man. I've never spoken to him. Um, but you want consistency in this stuff. Four fighters last week got suspended for six months. He got two years for the essentially the same situation. A low-level amount of Osterine in the system. If it's two years, it should be two years. If it's six months, it should be six months. Just keep it consistent because they're basically winging it. And Tom Lawler got a raw deal. He got two years from his prime taken away from him and other fighters get six months. It's like, if it's two years, do that. Just, just stick with it. Um, it. It just comes off as unfair and arbitrary. Like your, your rules and punishments have to be consistent. Um, Waller told MMA Fighting on Thursday that he was advised by UFC President of Athlete Health and Performance Jeff Nowitzki and USADA not to go to arbitration because he wasn't able to come up with the supplement he took that led to the positive. Perhaps the science and testing should be solidified first before people's livelihoods are put at stake and people are unjustly punished, Lawler said. Um, yeah, that sounds fair to me. Um in the four years that USADA has run the UFC's anti-doping program, 14 fighters have tested positive for Osterine. Of those 14, six have received suspension of six months in length. Another four, Lawler, Subera Tukagov, Ruslan Magomedov, and Amanda Rebus got two years. Diego Fajera was suspended 17 months. Guido Canetti got 10 months. And Jim Wallhead got nine months. Lastly, Josh Barnett, Josh Barnett got a, just a public reprimand after arbitration, but it literally took him like two years to get through arbitration. All the lawyers and all the bullshit you got to go through to do that. Um, and he didn't fight while he was going through all the legal proceedings. So If you're a fighter and this is your full-time job, um, this is your career, putting everything you have into it, you're hoping to become a star, hoping to make a living, and the people in charge just make arbitrary decisions like this, it's got to be frustrating and disheartening and Super aggravating. I, I, I'd be pissed off if I was Tom Lawler too. Um, so hopefully we can get a little more clarity and a little more consistency with um, USADA and UFC in these suspensions because it's not fair to the fighters. I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't fair to the fighters, but this one's pretty, pretty glaring. In other USADA news... <laughs> becoming a USADA UFC show it seems like every week UFC's Paulo Costa used substantial assistance clause to get reduced USADA suspension so Paulo Costa Borchina is his nickname um, 
he was having issues with the New York State Athletic Commission. Um, he was claiming he took stomach medication and they had fined him. Um, but it turns out he was suspended six months Friday by USADA for use of intravenous infusions, basically IVs, in 2017. The sanction is retroactive to August 10th, 2018. The date Costa acknowledged receipt of the IVs. Costa is already eligible to compete. Costa used an IV to rehydrate after weighing in ahead of bouts at UFC 212 and 217 in June and November of 2017. Both IVs were administered by Costa's older brother, Carlos Costa, who was also suspended six months by USADA. The agency described Carlos as Polo Costa's athlete personnel. Um, so basically, both Costas here, the fighter and the brother, have been suspended for six months. Um, IV use is considered a prohibited method under the UFC anti-doping policy. The typical sanction for such violation is a two-year suspension. My impression of the IV stuff, um, fighters used to use IVs to rehydrate after cutting weight after they weighed in, but that was banned because it could be used to dilute your blood, essentially. So if you had to have a blood test after the fight um, or shortly afterwards, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. Um, your blood could be diluted and affect testing. And you could mask, it would work as a masking agent, essentially. So it was banned by USADA. They, they said it was a problem. And apparently Costa was doing this. And honestly, it could have been totally um, not underhanded or deceitful. Um, a lot of guys would rehydrate that way. They'd just get fluids, you know, um, like you would if you were dehydrated at the hospital. Same idea. Um, a lot of people consider a better way to hydrate than just drinking, you know, waters or coconut water or Gatorade or whatever you're going to do. Um, and that was part of the reason a lot of guys moved up in weight in the last couple of years because they couldn't use the IVs um, anymore. But Costa was apparently doing this. Um, the part that is most interesting in this story is that the Costa's suspensions, that's Paulo and his brother Carlos, were uh, reduced due to the substantial assistance clause. If an athlete provides info to USADO or another anti-doping organization regarding an anti-doping violation or criminal offense by another person, USADA may suspend all or part of the period of ineligibility per the UFC anti-doping policy. The reduction is based on the seriousness of the violation committed by the athlete and the, significant, and the significance of the substantial assistance. Athletes who provide substantial assistance in return for a reduced sanction must continue to cooperate and to provide the complete and credible substantial assistance. Athletes who fail to do so face reinstatement of their original sanction per the policy. So it sounds like Costa did the same thing John Jones did. Um, and people will we'll call it snitching. Basically, you, you give USADA information on you know what other guys are doing, 
what drugs are popular. Um, every time somebody fails a steroid test, it, people put up John Jones memes where he basically narked on these other fighters, which is always funny, but it's a weird one. I mean, if you're pro anti-doping, you, you, you'd want to see this in theory. You want people to get busted for using steroids and, and snitching should be celebrated because you're getting dirty fighters out of the UFC, guys who are roided up and punching and kicking dudes in the head. Um, at the same time, there's such um, negative emotion that bubbles up when you hear about someone snitching, you know. Um, snitches get stitches. That it, it, it's weird because there's a real like uh, dichotomy there where on the one hand, people want the sport to be clean and this is a good way to do it you have fighters in the ufc who are in gyms and know what other guys are doing and know what drugs are popular and can give you sada information to help catch cheaters but then on the other hand you look like a douchebag for turning in your teammates or people you know um who are doing this stuff it, it, it's a weird weird paradox so to me, it's kind of a bad look. Like, to me, if you get caught, you get caught. You don't bury other people so you can get out of it. How about, how about just not cheat? How about just fight clean and play by the rules? That would be the right move. Um, at the same time, if you are in favor of clean sport and anti-doping, um, you should celebrate the these snitches because they're helping to clean the sport you, you can't really have it both ways um it's interesting um paul yeah paul is the second high profile ufc fighter to ex exercise a substantial assistance clause uh current ufc light heavyweight champion john jones faced a four-year suspension last year after a 2017 failure for Oral Turinabal related to his rematch with Daniel Cormier, but it was reduced to 15 months after he provided substantial assistance to USADA. I'm excited to see who the next snitch will be. Then, you know, usually we start the show with reviews of the past shows, but I, I felt like, you know, the shows from this past weekend weren't huge shows by any stretch uh on let's see on april 27th this was a saturday we had a ufc fight night jacare versus hermanson this one took place in sunrise florida attendance was apparently 12,754 which is really good for for florida with a 1.2 million dollar gate in the main event, Jack Hermanson defeated Jacare by unanimous decision, 49-46, uh, To me, Hermanson was the, the bigger, better striker. Um, he got some takedowns, but um, he had a longer reach, was just a little quicker. I don't know if this is a sign of Jacare slowing down or Hermanson was just really underrated, but Jacare's 39 now, my age. 
I am about, let's see, December 7th, I'm trying to remember. I am about 10 days older than Jacare, and I sure as hell would not want to fight Jack Hermanson. Um, but he's been doing jujitsu and M- MMA since like 2000. He's been doing this stuff a long time, when it, winning jujitsu tournaments back in 2001. Um, he's 26 and seven now in MMA, 39 years old. He was promised a title fight at middleweight if he won this fight. Obviously, he didn't get that done. Um, he was coming off a knockout win over Chris Weidman. So, I mean, tough loss here at the stage of the game against a lesser-known opponent. Um, it's not like he's losing to Robert Whitaker or Kelvin Gaslam. Jack Hermanson's a step down from those guys. Um, obviously, the biggest win of Hermanson's career. He's now won four in a row in the UFC. Uh, last two were Branch and obviously Jacare this past week. Um, he was a better striker here. Got some takedowns and pretty much outpointed Jacare. I, I didn't really think he was ever in danger, and he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good, but at the same time, I, I don't know if the, if this is prime Jacare either. He's getting a little older and um, weathered at this point. He's I, I don't think it's a good win for... Let's back up. It's a good win for Hermanson, but we're not talking prime Jacare either. If you if you catch my drift, uh, in the co-main, Greg Hardy defeated Dmitry Smolyakov by TKO at two fifteen of the first. Uh, weird fight. Smolyakov just got beat up and didn't really throw any punches and got his ass kicked by Hardy. That's it. <laughs> that's all. That's all you can say. Uh, my favorite part here was afterwards, Hardy like jumped up on the cage and everyone booed the shit out of him. Um, Greg Hardy's the guy, former NFL linebacker, who you know reportedly beat the crap out of his girlfriend, and he got booed, and I laughed. Uh, Hardy is getting a little arrogant and cocky after this win. He was talking like he was going to take over the division with the heavyweight title, and it's like, you're not good at fighting, dude. Once you fight a real fighter, it's going to be hilarious. Um, in a good fight, we had Mike Perry defeating Cowboy Alex Oliveira. Unanimous decision, 29-28 on all three cards. I thought Oliveira won the first, and Perry came back and won the second and third. Perry is an interesting guy. He's got some charisma. Um He's entertaining. He says ridiculous shit. Um, at the same time, he's not a great fighter. <laughs> he's a, a mid-level guy in the UFC. But a win over Cowboy Alex, Alex Oliveira is pretty good. I mean, Oliveira's a veteran. He's won a lot of fights in the UFC. He's got some good wins. Um, like he's beat Carlos Condit. He's beat Ryan LaFleur, Tim Means, Will Brooks. He's got some name wins. Um but for Perry, this was this was a critical win for him. He was coming off two straight losses, if memory no one loss. He lost to Cerrone, but he's also got losses in the last couple years to Max Griffin and Santiago Ponzinibbio. So I mean, he's a, he's a mid level guy. I mean, that's that's just what Mike Perry is at this stage of the game. He hits hard, um, but he's not a, a skilled 
super athletic guy either. I, I think he'll hang around in the UFC for a couple of years because he's charismatic and has a unique personality. But um, I, I don't see title shot on his horizons anytime soon. Glover Teixeira is still around. He defeated Ion Kutalaba by rear naked choke at 337 of the second. Um, just beat the crap out of Kutalaba on the ground, got mount, took the back, got mount again, um, just got the hooks in, flattened about, and got the choke. Corey Sandhagen defeated John Lineker, unanimous, I'm sorry, split decision 28-29, 29-28, 29-28. Biggest win of Sandhagen's career. This fight looked funny because... Lineker was so much shorter, so much shorter. It looked like guys in different weight divisions. Um, and I, I think Sandhagen could just outstrike him, outpoint him here. Um, Lineker landed some big shots. Sandhagen took him. Um, and I mean, Lineker's size, he should be fighting at 125, but he is jacked and never makes that weight. Uh, prelims. Um, Augusto Sakai defeated Andre Arlovsky by split decision. Uh, Gilbert Burns defeated Mike Davis. Jim Miller got a win by rear naked choke on the prelims over Jason Gonzalez at 212 of the first. Jim Miller still getting it done after all these years. Um, Miller's 35 now. Uh, he debuted in the UFC. Let's see. Should be good. <laughs> he fought at UFC 89. Holy shit. In 2008. 11 years ago. Uh, at that point, he was, let's see, 11, 11. he is 19 and 12 in the UFC and one performance of the night for this fight. Good for Jim Miller. He had a streak there where he lost four in a row and it looked like he was all done. Um, now he's still hanging around, getting wins here and there. So good, good for Jim Miller. If he wants to continue on <laughs> cage fighting um hopefully he doesn't get too beat up there's also a bellator show on saturday night at the sap center in san jose california this is bellator 220 mcdonald versus fitch this was uh part of their welterweight grand prix tournament in addition uh mcdonald was defending the Bellator welterweight championship in this fight. He's the champion, and he's in the tournament. Uh, this fight went to a majority draw. Scores were 46-48, 47-47, and 47-47. Um, interesting after the fight. Well, here, here's the first thing. You have a tournament, and the fight goes to a draw. Who wins? Basically, Bellator just decided to move along McDonald because he didn't lose his title, even though this fight was a draw. You don't run it back or put an alternate in who won. You just, you know, I guess pick the bigger star to go ahead. Um, after the fight, McDonald gave a weird post-speech interview where um, he was talking about God and whether he could still, if he still had the hunger and if he could if he still had the will to hurt um, people anymore, if that killer was still inside him. And he questioned that. And I can appreciate that. People, people, people change. 
you know, Roy McDonald started doing this when he was a 16-year-old kid. He's a 30-year-old man now. Um, 16 versus 30 is a big, a big difference. And he's been doing this a long time. And sometimes you lose that drive, that hunger. Um, you've got to be a bit of a psycho to get into a cage with another dude who's trying to beat the shit out of you. Um, and you've got to have a... Like, you got to be part animal to get in there and really want to put a beating on somebody bad. Like, I, I don't have that trait. I don't want to hurt people, um, even if it's my job, you know. It, it's not something I'm into. Um, I couldn't do it. I, I respect people who can, and Rory McDonald's done it a long time. Um but it's not a good sign for an MMA fighter to say that either, um, either to themselves or in public on a televised broadcast. Um, I don't know if I have that same drive to hurt people anymore. Then maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Some people looked at it as a retirement speech. Um, but since then... Uh, literally yesterday, um, McDonald said in a Bellator issued statement, I'm going to move forward in this tournament and compete boldly against Neiman Gracie. It's weird. It's weird when you hear somebody have a, what feels like a moment of clarity and epiphany. Um, and they're out there saying that it's almost like, it's not a cry for help, but it's almost like if somebody went up there and said, hey, maybe you should hang it up, you would have been like, yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I just don't have it anymore. Instead, Bellator probably came back and said, hey, we're going to move you ahead in the tournament. You'll fight Neiman Gracie next. It'll be whatever. I don't know if that one said MSG, but like sold him on it. And he's like, all right, I'll fight him. Um, I don't know if you should be fighting anymore if you feel that way. If you don't want to hurt people, uh, MMA is not the right sport to be in, you know? It's kind of crazy. Um, also on the card, Alima Leigh McFarlane successfully defended her women's flyweight championship against Veda Ortega. This was a doctor stoppage at 150 of the third. Our, uh, McFarlane was in Ortega's guard, I believe, and threw a nasty, just like left elbow, like, you know where like it's almost like it slices um you know across the forehead you kind of instead of going straight down with the elbow it's more like the point of the elbow slides across the forehead she landed one of those brutal like it opened Ortega's head up and it was bleeding instantly and I, I saw that I'm like ooh that's not good and then it kept bleeding and bleeding and bleeding uh, the fight, they got to their feet. The ladies got to their feet. Um, McFarlane pushed Ortega up against the cage. The ref stepped in. Doctor came in, looked at it, wiped the blood away. And it was like, oof. It was like a gaping cut on her forehead. Um, like, not good. And it's like, you can't let that thing keep getting punched. Like, it, it was nasty. It needed to be stapled up, stitched up, something. 
Um, it was it was a nasty cut, and I I think the doctor made the right decision in stopping the fight. Um, ben Henderson defeated Adam Piccolotti by split decision. Good win for Benson Henderson. Phil Davis defeated Liam McGeary by TKO. I believe McGeary got had a broken jaw in this fight. Got hit so hard his jaw was broken. And in the opener, Gaston Bolanos defeated Nathan Stolen by knockout. And that was Bellator 220 from San Jose this past week. Uh, upcoming fight, we've got um, actually two of the better fighters in the world, not in the UFC. This is um, a rematch set for Bellator 222. We've got Kiyochi Horiguchi versus Darian Caldwell. Horiguchi defeated um, Caldwell at Ryzen 14 last December. Um he won with it with a guillotine choke in the third round. Um, and now they're going to run it back at Bellator 222 on June 14th at Madison Square Garden. Um, good fight. Two guys a lot of people don't know, but really talented fighters that are not in the UFC. That That is a fun fight. Horiguchi was in the UFC, fought at 125 and fought. DJ Johnson really, Demetrius Johnson, real early on in his career and um, it was probably too early for him, but it was at that time where DJ was just wiping out the entire flyweight division. Um, then Horiguchi went back to Japan, has had a few wins, done well in Ryzen, moved up to 135, and has looked really good. Caldwell is 13-2, and two. Um, has beat a lot of good guys in Bellator. Um, so good fight. I, I would recommend watching that fight come June. It'll be, it'll be a good one. Uh, this weekend we've got a couple shows. We've got a Bellator show in Birmingham, England, uh, in the main event, Brent Primus takes on Tim Wilde. We've also got Pedro Carvalho versus Derek Campos, Fabian Edwards versus Falco Nato. And Raymond Daniels versus Wilker Barrows. Not a lot of name value on this show. Um, I guess this is part of the Bellator European series. Um, I don't even know. It must be on DAZN, but I'm guessing not Paramount. I don't know how you would watch this show. But there is a Bellator show this weekend if you want to hunt it down Saturday night, May 4th. There's also a UFC Fight Night card, Iaquinta vs. Cowboy. This is UFC Fight Night 151, a.k.a. UFC on ESPN Plus number 9. They're piling up rapidly. This one's from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada at the Canadian Tire Center. Again, this one is on Saturday night, May 4th. In the main event, we've got Al Iaquinta vs. Donald Cowboy Cerrone at lightweight. This is a fun fight. <laughs> For sure, um, these guys both have exciting fights. They're both crazy individuals. You got Cowboy Cerrone um, scuba diving in underwater caves and almost dying, and um, skydiving, riding horses, shooting guns, um, just being a, a bad mf'er. Then you've got Ally Aquinto, who's quit the UFC uh, multiple times. Uh, hates the company one minute, then he'll fight Khabib on short notice, like 
12 hours from his scheduled time to fight will take on the the scariest fighter in the world he's destroying hotel rooms he's also selling houses in long island he's a realtor um just two really unique guys but also two guys who are like top 10 lightweights in the world so it should be an action fight you've got interesting personalities you've got experienced good fighters yeah, I don't know what else you would really want for in a main event. Um, the one thing I look at when I see this fight is I feel bad for Cerrone because he was supposed to get the Conor McGregor fight. Now he's fighting in Ottawa against Ally Quinta for literally, you know, a twentieth of the money he would have made if he fought Conor. Um, so that's kind of a bummer, but still a fun fight. I'm looking forward to this fight. Crazy. Raging Ally Aquinta versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. That's a fun, fun fight. My official pick for this fight is Ally Aquinta by TKO. Ally Aquinta's going to get it done. He's really good. I think Cerrone's older. Um, I think he's more brittle at 155. I think he's going to get TKO'd finished here. I like Ally Aquinta. Cerrone's been in more wars. He's more shop-worn. This is Iaquinta's fight to win. He's on the rise. Cerrone's on the backside of his career. And uh, not that Iaquinta's young, but uh, usually the young end up eating the old. In the co-main, we've got Derek Brunson versus Elias Theodorou um, at middleweight. We also have Cub Swanson versus Shane Burgos at featherweight. Uh, Walt Harris is on the main card. Not a lot of name value <laughs> after uh, your top two fights here. Iman Zahabi, I think that's Faraz's little brother's fighting at uh, Bantamweight. Um, ugh, not much else on here, man. Um, there's a guy named Juan Adams fighting. Don't know anything about him. So, yeah, that is going to be on ESPN Plus. The main card and the prelims are on ESPN Plus. I think that does it for the MMA portion of the show. Let's check our time here. We do have a couple minutes to do a couple other news stories. One recommendation I would like to give uh, my dozen or so listeners is check out the Anthony Jeselnik special, Fire in the Maternity Ward. On Netflix, um, my wife and I saw Jezelnik perform in Boston. It was over a year ago, I think, um, at the Wilbur. Seen him there a couple times. Um, love the style. Love the jokes. There's always twists and turns. Um, he's obviously playing a character. <laughs> um just a complete jerk, a-hole is basically the character. Um, but the way he puts the jokes together, the delivery, the dryness of it, um, big fan. I, I don't know that this is his best special. I actually like some of his earlier stuff, um, maybe a little more, but this is good. It's worth watching. It's an hour. You, you should laugh unless um, you're dead inside. Check it out, Netflix. Other news, we've got uh, an interesting story that caught my eye. This is coming from uh, the Associated Press. 
Um, police say two men and a woman broke into a Philadelphia area hospital and stole nearly half a million dollars worth of colonoscopy instruments. Authorities say the trio had access to a secured area of Lackanoo Medical Center in Wynwood, Pennsylvania. The people walked out of the hospital with seven, several colon, colon, ugh, colonoscopes with a value of $450,000. Police told TV station WCAU the colonoscopes may be sold on the black market. I, I don't understand the story. Like, if you could break into a hospital and we're looking to sell stuff, would you get, like, the most unpleasant medical device you could find? Or do you, like, go for the drugs? Like, I... I the few times I've broken into hospitals, I always steal the drugs. I don't get butt stuff. Like, who's buying that on the black market? Also, like, is it used? Like, what is a brand new colonoscopes? Like, what what's going on here? And who's buying this on the black market? Are they doing their own colonoscopies? Like, is there demand for, like, back alley colonoscopies? Who do you sell these to? These used colonoscopes. I can't believe there's a market for that. I can't believe they're worth $450,000. That's a lot of money. I guess that's why insurance is so much and why we pay much so much to go to the doctor, but god damn. What a <laughs> What a shitty thing to steal. It's pretty crappy. Um Lower Marion police are still searching for the suspect in Saturday morning's theft. Surveillance video shows the three driving up in a Jeep Wrangler and one man and one woman, one woman exit the vehicle. At some point, the third suspect joins them. Video also shows all three of them leaving with full backpacks. So weird. Who knew there was a underground black market for colonoscopy instruments also wouldn't it suck like if you were scheduled for a colonoscopy like ah, oh, this is gonna suck i don't want to do this this is horrible you know you don't eat the night before i think you got to drink something i've never had one i'm not that old yet i don't think that's middle age stuff i think that's older age i think like 50 so i i think i'm hoping i'm hoping i have a decade but Imagine you're going there, you're like, ah, oh, crap, I gotta drink this nasty drink, shake, whatever it is. I can't eat. Better wash up real good. And you go to the doctor, and they're like, ooh, you know, we should have called you. Like, oh, God, why? Like, is there something wrong? What's the problem? They go, yeah, two men and a woman stole all our colonoscopes. So we're going to have to cancel your appointment. That would suck. You're already there. You haven't eaten. Your, your butt's in good shape. You're, you're cleaned up. You're ready to go. And they cancel on you. Because some weirdo stole all their equipment to sell on the black market. 
Holy shit. It's unbelievable. And I'm not saying shitty and crappy. I know that's hacky material, but I'm a dad. I do dad jokes. What can I tell you? Um, another story that caught my eye, um, as many of you know, if you've listened to this program in the past or my uh, previous podcast I co-hosted, um, not a big fan of pets, animals. Um, I've got a puggle that's about 12. She's uh, a nightmare, has allergies, multiple tumors, uh, chews everything in the house, uh, you know, pees, everything. Eats everything, doesn't come when you call her. All all the classic uh, terrible dog things she does and has um, anal gland issues, whole, whole bunch of stuff. So I, I've been turned off to dogs, but one domesticated animal I've never cared for at all and I've never owned one is uh, a cat. They're weird. They creep me out. I don't like how they hiss. I don't like their claws. Um, I don't like they can fall off things and land on their feet all the time. They're just creepy animals. They poop in a box in your house, I guess. Like I've, I've got friends with cats. I've got like litter boxes in their bathrooms and stuff. I'm like... Why do you keep cat shit in your house for days? Then, like, there's some weird little filter. You clean out their turds out of this dirt and gravel and sand. Like, what the hell? What are you doing? Why Why do you have an animal that shits in a box in your house? Like, what the... Like, it's just insane to me. Insane. Um, I, I don't get it. They, they'll bite you. They're just nasty, gross animals. If you have a cat, like, no disrespect, but I I would never be your friend. Um, One country, though, has a great policy towards cats. Now, these are different than your domesticated little little poop-in-a-box in in your house cats. Um, These are feral cats. Apparently, Australia... The Australian government wants to kill 2 million free-roaming cats by 2020, um, which is only a small portion of uh, their feral cat population, which could be as much as 6 million. Can you imagine living in Australia? You've got a bunch of crazy feral cats, like millions of them. Just roaming the country. I'm, I'm presuming this is like in the outback and less densely populated areas. But six million cats wandering around? Wild cats? Like, these things are catching... I guess basically they're trying to kill a lot of these cats because they're, like, endangering other species. Like, mice and rats and smaller mammals, I guess. The, these cats are killing them. Um, some areas of Australia have gone so far that there's a a council in Queensland offering $10 bounty per feral cat scalp. (laughs) So if you skin one of these feral cats and bring it to like your town hall in Queensland, they'll give you 10 bucks for it. That's how big of a problem this is. Can you imagine running around like your neighborhood shooting cats, skinning them and bringing them to your town hall for 10 bucks a pop? 
holy crap. Like, I don't know much about conservationists and, um, you know, we, we do stuff. Stuff happens in the States under the radar that I'm probably completely unaware of. I, I know you got to cull certain species so they don't wipe out other species and we try and keep that in check. I mean, we stock ponds with fish and stuff. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff the government does that, you know, the normal citizenry is totally unaware of, oblivious to. But this is like a big story in Australia, and it's caught on even in the U.S. Um, apparently, New Zealand also has an issue, um, and they want to try and go cat-free with both domestic and feral cats, either controlled or culled. Um Essentially, these feral cats, um, there's just too many of them, and they're wiping out all these smaller species. Um, they've led to 20 mammal species going extinct in Australia. Apparently, until like the 1700s, Australia had no cats at all. They were brought there by, you know, the, the British colonists or whatever, um, and Australia's got all these weird species of animals because it's so isolated for hundreds of thousands of years. Um, 80% of Australia's mammals can't be found anywhere else in the world, and 45% of its birds can't be found anywhere else. So if these cats kill these species, they're they're gone forever because they're nowhere else in the world. Um, Cats are believed to kill more than 1 million native birds and 1.7 million reptiles across Australia every day. It's crazy. So their plan is to get rid of these. They're going to drop poison sausages from helicopters and planes to kill these cats. Apparently the poison in the sausages won't kill any other species and the cats will eat them. But can you imagine throwing sausages out of a helicopter that are going to kill millions of cats. It's crazy. They're going to spend millions of dollars, $5 million on this, um, to try and kill some of these cats. Like, I, I'm surprised they just didn't keep it more in check over the years. Um, crazy story. Um, I'm trying to find more out about these sausages. Um... But either way, the, the, it's a big controversy. Um, I, I'm not a cat fan, so I, I don't really care, but I'm sure some people out there are petting their little cat and it's purring and uh, you're feeling bad about this. But these uh, cats are out of control. They're killing all these other species of animals and uh, there's millions of them and it has to be stopped with poison sausages. On that note, we are just about out of time. I thank you for joining me this week. I hope you found this program enlightening. Uh, this was episode number 15 of Matt's Middle Age Mixed Martial Arts Show, the MMA MMA Show. Check us out on Twitter, MMA MMA Show 1, and on Instagram, MMA MMA Show. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell anybody you know about this show and that they should listen to it. Thanks for checking in, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye.